0: Hello and welcome to The Code of Career, we're the podcast to help you level up, get a job in tech and innovate in the wonderful world of technology. Today's guest is Oscar Bastardo. Oscar is a software engineer with a focus in the artificial intelligence industry. He's had a career in a variety of different sub-industries, but has been a software engineer for over 10 years now, so he's picked up a ton of amazing insight. On today's episode, we discuss AI, how you can break into the industry and the ethics around the industry in general as well as Oscar's advice for people that want to break into technology, particularly with a focus on back-end technologies. We talk data structures, algorithms, should you use leak code, and is a computer science degree really necessary in the year 2022? Two quick things to shout out before the episode starts. Firstly, is the Patreon. If you really enjoy the show or the wider ecosystem, if you're not already aware of it, then please feel free to become a member of the Patreon for some amazing gifts that I consider to be really good value. Uh, you can make up your own mind by visiting the uh, the page. The link is in the description. Uh, also, if you want to connect with the community for free, then Discord is the best way. Uh, that is also in the description. We actually have over 150 members on there now. It's a really friendly group. We're all really positive and supporting each other. And there's so many people that are doing amazing things on there. But with that housekeeping out of the way, it's time to grab a coffee, push those commits, and enjoy the show. Hi Oscar, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? Hi Cam. I'm good, thanks. Um
1: thanks for having me.
0: Ah, pleasure to have you on. Um absolute pleasure and uh good to catch up as well because obviously we are we are former colleagues. Uh you're one of the uh the contingent of um my former colleagues that's come on the show. So it's uh yeah, always oh, yeah. good to um always good to catch up. Um yeah. currently wrangling with a uh, currently wrangling with a cat that I got this week. Um who has uh, become very interested in all the podcast wires? So, if any of the uh, listeners um, overhear some meowing um, in the background, I'm afraid that is my, my, my cat who's very excited by everything that's going on right now. She'll <laughs> <laughs> sure be fine yeah um cool. so um, for listeners who are unfamiliar with you uh, you're you're a man who has kind of uh, worked in a few different technical areas really um, so do, do you want to explain a little bit about uh, about who you are um, and uh, and your story a little bit?
1: Sure um, yes yeah, so um, uh, I am originally from Venezuela. I did a computer science degree and then I've started working. Uh, back in Venezuela as a mobile developer actually that was my first role uh, working on Android apps but then I slowly moved into more uh, web development and full stack development Uh, then I moved to the UK and uh, where I'm based right now in London and um, I worked mostly in web development uh, full stack then Before I joined Third Eye, which is where I met uh, Cam, Um, there I worked as a lead uh, developer for front-end apps, and and I was the de facto backend engineer because our team was very small. And um, yes, and um, actually, yeah, Cam helped me to grow it quite a lot, and. At the other peak, we were <laughs> yes, yes. No, you did great, and um, yeah. At our peak, we were like, what, uh, three developers and a UX designer, UI UX designer. So that was quite a solid team, and um, yeah. Bef- uh, so, I worked there for a while, and uh, last year, um, then I got into my current role at uh, Standard AI, where I'm moved uh, firmly into backend development, which is the area I've be more interested uh later um later on and yeah that's 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 kind of the road like a, a, a summary of what what i've done
0: very nice uh we, we talk a lot about weather uh on on this podcast and i've got to say venezuela's uk is gonna be one of the worst weather swaps you could have picked
1: oh yeah <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. It's definitely not for the weather. Um, (laughs) Yeah, um, as you say,
0: must got used to the. Took a while to get used to the drizzle and the fog and the cold.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I mean it's it's fine now. I'm used to it, but I mean, I I guess in a way, part of being here is just complaining about the weather, which everyone does. To be fair, exactly. (laughs) No one, no one no one would think bad of me because i'm just i just complain about it but it's fine
0: <laughs> yeah that's the that's the number one thing about british just culture in general is just uh, have a good moment about the weather like if you ever stuck a conversation that's a good one for it for any for any of the international listeners who are curious about visiting britain uh wherever you are in the country i'm obviously up in scotland oscars down in london like just complain about the weather you'll have a conversation with anyone it's great <laughs> yeah you'll be, you'll be
1: right at, right at home <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely um cool well let let's go through some quick fire questions um sure. to uh to, to find um find out a little bit more uh more insight in, into you as well uh, if that sounds good um so first yeah. one always big one with the devs who have come on the show uh what was your first ever computer uh
1: yes uh first ever computer i was um probably a nineties um, machine at that point. I feel like these were older developers. Have more interesting stories because in the eighties you had this model, this very cool models, and they all think of them fondly. But in my case, it was just you know at the point where you just have like a random machine, and then it ran Windows yeah.
0: ninety
1: five, and you don't really know the maker, so it's it's just it just worked. And it, yeah. I remember. It's less it romantic,
0: Win- really, isn't it? Like from our, because I think we're about the same age, right? I was born in '95, and uh, yeah, it's 92. yeah. The, dev, the, the devs that learnt to learnt code in the in the late '80s and early '90s that come on this show really have all these huge romantic stories about their ZX Spectrum and all of the rest of it. and We're just like, yeah, yeah. it was just a box that ran Windows '95. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, I can't really remember the maker. Um, so, but it was mm-hmm. Windows '95 and. Yeah, I it was like a family computer really and or, but because I was the one that used it the most, I consider it my first computer. <laughs> um and then we upgraded to like Windows XP and I think it was until I rightly right before I started Uni that I got my own laptop that also ran Windows. <laughs> I think it was an Acer, <laughs> if that, if that matters. and matters. Um yeah. At at some point I just uh, switched to Mac. Uh And then that's what I've been using for, like, maybe, what, seven years now?
0: So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, do you you code on Mac full-time then these days?
1: I do, yeah. Um, I think it just provides the right balance between, um, you know, like, a solid uh, maintained uh, OS and also access to low-level, you know, features through the Mm. command line, because it's based on Unix, the same way Linux is. I did have, yeah. I did use uh, Linux. I used Ubuntu and Debian at uni, just for the learning uh, experience. And that was my main OS for a couple of years, but then I, I used Mac Mac'd and never came back. <laughs> just best of both worlds, <laughs> if you ask me.
0: Um, I, I I agree with you for sure. I think it 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 gives you the access, the command line works great out of the box, um, gives you the access to the lower level stuff. Linux can be a bit of a pain, uh, but Windows, it it just feels so locked down sometimes. It's quite funny because in general, I feel if you were to ask me, I would say, oh, Apple feels, um, Apple would seem more locked down. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I get maybe because of iOS phones versus Android, um, yeah. but actually I think, um yeah mac i is probably my favorite to code on as well i mean in general I, I always say this on this podcast um if someone else is paying for it go mac if if you're paying for it, go Linux, but if you can afford it, go Mac yeah i mean i't yeah yeah i mean i I do like personally prefer Mac, but I think it
1: doesn't i don't think it makes a huge difference these days, uh, especially with docker and containers. you can just dockerize your your dev environment and then it will be yeah. hopefully the same in all environments and and it's mm. it's it's what up to what you prefer really, and I think Windows has got from what I understand has got better, and it allows you to also virtualize Linux like natively, which is like a very cool feature if you really want to use Linux, but you don't want to give up Windows if you're a game a, like a gamer for instance, mm. um that sort of thing. But yeah, I haven't, been, <laughs> I haven't done much gaming for a while, so I'm quite happy with <laughs> Mac, which is you know
0: rubbish for gaming. <laughs> yeah, you and me you and me both, mate, I think the, the curse of being an adult is having the money for yeah. gaming, but it's no longer having the time. It's like I I finally bought Far Cry six the other day. And I was just oh, like, wow. when am I actually gonna have time to play this? Like ever. Yeah. I, I'm just not like <laughs> it's the problem like... with these like hundred hour games is like that's gonna take me a year to complete easily. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's hor it's horrible. Like, um, I think a few weeks back, I was I had like an evening off, and I said, okay, dusting off the old PS four, gonna play some Batman, <laughs> um, Arkham Knight, and then I played for two hours, and I was like, oh, I think I should be doing something else. Pretty sure there's something I should yeah. be doing.
0: and and it's the guilt that sets in as well. Yeah. like because that's yeah. the thing. I did play Far Cry for like two hours yesterday. And I was just like, "Oh God, I can't do this. Like, I I, I should be coding." So I just went yeah. I went into the other room and I just started working on um, just started working yeah. on like a revamp of my personal website. And it's like, what am I doing? Just like, I gotta relax. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 hard. I mean, I think I think it's very important to do things that to like you know wind down and, and relax. And I think that's just part of. I mean, if you just keep like grinding, I, I I'm not I don't advocate that grinding culture. I think it's important Mm. to balance between different things that said i mean i'm I'm working i'm doing a part-time master so i'm quite busy (laughs) all the time but that's that's i think i can talk like from experience when i said that you do need time to relax at least if you have a super busy day take one hour a day Mm. to do you know anything you like whatever you enjoy doing if that's playing video games then just play video games scheduling Um, your
0: relaxation time is just as important as scheduling your work time and it's great to have a hobby that doesn't involve a screen as well for sure yes Uh, it's always a good idea as a dev because otherwise you'll end up spending 18 hours a day looking at a screen
1: yeah it's 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 not i wouldn't recommend that so yes just go outside
0: yeah (laughs) it's nice trust me despite the weather anyway yes <laughs> um t- talking of uh geographical locations actually um what what's your favorite tech city because you did mention to me offline you've now been san francisco so that now enters the equation oh
1: yeah yeah so yeah maybe a few <laughs> maybe a month ago i would have said um well i only know I, I mean in terms of like big and famous tech cities i think i've probably only been to to london where which is where i live um, but yeah a few few weeks ago I had the opportunity to travel to Trump, to San Francisco for work uh, so we we are my job uh, at standard we're a remote first company so which means that we have people all over the world working together but that means that obviously that you won't get to meet many of your colleagues so this was a great opportunity for for us to meet um you know and actually talk to to our colleagues people that we work um with uh so that was nice and i had the opportunity because the headquarters are in san francisco so i managed to go there and do some sightseeing and it's a lovely city really i was i wasn't really expecting that i thought it would be like manic um but it's quite i mean maybe i just maybe coming from london maybe the comparison is is not like as dramatic because it's quite manic here in yeah london is well. pretty
0: manic compared to edinburgh
1: <laughs> yes yes uh yeah um so yeah that was that was great and i, I something that struck me was that like you can sense the tech culture around it or how it's changed it and um for instance like you see billboards with like software talking about software like you know monitoring software or you know yeah uh, HR soft HR software. And that's so weird. I, I, mean, it's weird you, to think. I, I couldn't
0: imagine a, like a big banner of data dog or something as you're driving around the yeah, M25 something like or that. something. <laughs> something like that.
1: They had for Sentry and, and this, this type of apps that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it was something that, that's the first thing I,
0: I, I that, like struck me when I saw it. That's really funny to think about, isn't it? Yeah. I never considered yeah. that. But I suppose it makes yeah. sense, right? Like, I guess there's so many people are in tech there. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of like actors in LA like it's just engineers in San Francisco, right? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but it's it's a great city like I think I think um it's common for like people living in Europe to kind of it's hard to adapt to like you know how like how cities are laid out in in the US for instance. But I think San Francisco strikes a very good balance between mm. like that kind of new world type of city grid with with like good transport and and you know like some kind of more um established areas that have been there for for centuries as well um so i think i think it's a really lovely city so um but yeah uh to answer the question um i think i would like to visit more um uh and i i think obviously i'd still probably prefer london because i know it yeah. better <laughs> but i, I would, would recommend if you, to... if you if you can make the
0: pil- pil- pil-
1: pilgrimage um to uh San Francisco, yeah, you should definitely do it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely high up on my list and um so when you are coding or perhaps configuring the monitoring software, um, what music do you like to listen to?
1: Uh yes, so um definitely not the music I listen to um most of the time or um it's I more recently I've I've defaulted to ambient and like chill type of music. This type of generic beats, and um, I think it just gets me, helps me get in the zone. Um, uh, also, video game soundtracks, like I would recommend Civilization or Age of Empire soundtracks. It's just um, really good um, to kind of, because I think it's actually designed to for you to kind of focus on whatever mm. you're doing in a way. Um, so I think it's really good for that
0: yeah um, the age of empires um, 3 soundtrack is elite i think do you know what i think we've talked about that before actually about age of empires maybe yes. maybe at third eye how much we both love it um the age of empires yes, yes. 3 soundtrack is unreal
1: <laughs> absolutely um i i have like a playlist with all of the game soundtracks and are they Spotify? Do yeah. you know Yes, yes, um, ah. I can. Maybe, maybe I can share it. Uh, like. Yeah, can you um,
0: ping to me after, after the episode? So I'll put yeah, it in the episode sure. description as well. People can check. You're going to become like a Spotify influencer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that
1: would be great. Um, yeah, so I think I, I my favorite is probably due to nostalgia, the Age of Empires too. Um because yeah. they did a re, they did a remake of the game a few years ago, and then they recorded all of the music with like a proper, you know, like twenty years difference in terms of like audio yeah compression and like and like i think they actually recorded it like again so you can hear different Mm. instruments like kind of more you know crisp so it's great um so anyway (laughs) nerding out about this um so uh but yeah i also spend a lot of time not listening to any music and it's, it's not it's not it's usually um actually my default i think is not listening to any music at the moment, and then I put some music if I feel like I'm bored. Um, but but yeah, like quietness. You so it's it's just because I forget to press, press play sometimes, and I just start working, and I can spend hours. And when you're like kind of into the coding, you sometimes you kind of forget about what's happening around you in a way. So. Uh, <laughs> Um,
0: you can tell you don't own a a kitten right now because um, this week having this first week with this kitten uh, I don't think I've been able able to properly lock in without getting my headphones pulled off my head (laughs) (laughs) go wireless ones (laughs) yeah that's a good idea that's a good excuse I'll get a nice pair of wireless ones
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely I mean (laughs) yes Um, yes so that's my music taste
0: (laughs) nice um what about when you like to do your work obviously you're you're also currently balancing a master's while while working full time so i suppose you kind of work when you can but um what what about would you say you're like an early bird or a night owl naturally
1: um so i think something i learned during this process actually is that um i think i'm an early bird in terms of not that i love waking up early but i think i'm more sharp first thing in the morning <laughs> Um, so I usually because um, something I guess an, an advantage of working for a company um, that's US based and also that my team is mostly in the US west Coast is that the time difference is significant, which means I don't need to really start working until later in the day. Um, so I tend to do my master's uh, in the morning, uh, any you know coursework or just going through the through the content and then i switch to to work like near as as i get closer to midday um but yeah i i usually work most of the day um but yeah i think um i if i have to do anything if i knew i had like to do my best work in anything i'll probably do it first thing in the morning um, mm-hmm. because i think that's when i function better i think but these days i'm kind of not very useful for work past 10 pm um (laughs) which is fine i mean it's usually means that i've done a good work um before that time of the day and then i just wind down and relax and read and whatever so yeah
0: yeah i could never prove this but i'm also convinced as well the older you get the better you function in the early mornings and the worse you function at late nights i think
1: what are you trying to say Cam? (laughs)
0: i'm speaking purely from my experience oscar (laughs) no no it's fine i'm joking just kidding um
1: (laughs) um, no it's fine i i I think it comes with age i i agree um i think i just i just found that in uni like it was very common to pull all nighters and that sort of thing i think everyone that's done a degree can relate to this and i just thought it wasn't very sustainable and also like the the best students i met they never did that so I realized at that point, like, I think it's best to just, you know, manage your time more effectively and then you get your full night's sleep every day. Yeah. And that, that works better. So that's fine. It's what very I'm
0: true. Sleep now. is but, superpower, isn't it?
1: But it, I think it comes with age and not maybe not physiologically, maybe perhaps, but also mm-hmm. like, you know, maturity, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. And um, speaking of aging, actually, what what job did you want when you were a kid?
1: uh so i i don't think i was fixated on a particular career i knew i liked building things i was more inclined to engineering and and maths um so i um i knew i wanted to do something related to engineering and i ended up doing computer science because i mean very naively i thought oh i spend a lot of time on the computer so surely i'm good at this (laughs) So, um, I mean, it was kind of a naive way to think about it, but once I got into it, I had like a kind of reality check and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, but still, I think it gave me the enough motivation to, to do it. I think I'll be happy with doing anything that requires solving problems. And, um, I mean, I would, in an alternative life, I would probably don't be like a mathematician or a physicist or something like that. And uh, or a musician, <laughs> um, that that's a bit more idealistic. But um, yeah, I think I think probably I just I didn't I I probably didn't want to be an astronaut or or like a rock star or something like that. but more kind of you know idealized, but definitely working on like solving problems and you know scratching my head <laughs> most of the yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's
0: how you know you're a future engineer. I reckon, like just knowing that you want to like solve just solve problems. It's a satisfying feeling. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think something I toyed with was because I play a lot of video games. Maybe the end game at some point was probably like become a game engineer, like mm. specializing in game development. Um, though at some point, I, I guess I kind of found other areas that I found interesting, like AI, for instance, and and then I lean into that as well. Um, and you know, like. I think uh, web development is is usually, um, well, at least it was when I finished my degree or before I finished my degree when I started working was the thing that that you could actually get into and and you know, be like employable. And,
0: yeah, um, the money's so, much better in web as well than gaming. Any hour and the work life balance is much better in web. Yeah, yeah. But like, I I will name no names, but I've Scotland's got a huge game development scene, and I've heard some horror stories
1: i am aware i think the crunch yeah. issue is is terrible and i mean if you think about it and um it's quite bad like i think it was yeah not let's not name any names but you know <laughs> yeah this comp- these gaming companies are yeah i think they, they need like a like a re- revamp in their values
0: and yeah i highly priorities. suspect we're thinking of the exact same company here but let's, let's not push it too far <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's
1: leave, let's leave it at that. I'll a bit. confirm
0: with you after we record if we were, but I'm pretty sure we were. Uh, anyway, yeah. sure. <laughs> I don't want to kill any sponsorship opportunities or anything like that. No, um, no, cool. <laughs> so, um, an apologies about the cat on my head currently. Um, yeah, how sorry. how did your journey in, into tech start? You, you touched on it a bit earlier on in your in your intro. Obviously, you went from um, from school. You, but remind me of your degree again. Did you did you do computer science or was it um, or was it a similar kind of engineering
1: uh no i did computer science um -hmm. uh, or like literally translated from my university's computer engineering um so it was a mix of you know you know compilers and operating systems and all that theoretical kind of aspect but also software engineering and software um you know design and so it was kind of preparing you giving you the, 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 the theoretical background, but also preparing you for like this, giving you the skills to, to, you know, just find a job as a, as a as a software engineer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 I form, I did a degree in computer science and I'm just following my degree. I think I'm, I don't, I don't have it. I don't think I have other skills, <laughs> so that I think I just, I, am I, I need to be like, I need to do software. That's, that's what, that's my thing. Um. So in a way that that makes me like because in my career I had the opportunity to work with people that came from very from different backgrounds, not necessarily um, software engineering, but like you know physicists or uh, mathematicians or people from business, and they were amazing developers. Um, so I in a way I respect that, and I think that can give you a, a very different perspective uh, as you get into the the industry. In my case, I just came from like the kind of standard path, I think. Um, So, yeah.
0: Interesting. And um, I mean, you're, so you you worked in a few different industries, but basically since I've known you, which I think must be getting on three years, um, you've worked as a software engineer within the AI industry. Um, Can can you explain a little bit about what, what that's like and how that may differ from your sort of, I know no software engineering job is standard, but a generic software engineering job, how is that different?
1: Um, yeah, good question. Um, so before third eye, I worked just to give some context. My first job was a software agency. So I think it was good for a first job because, um, it gave you a variety of projects. So you just, you just got assigned to this client and also gave you some like business skills because you have to kind of interact with them and like, basically you, um, you have to kind of main like maintain this 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 relationship with them whilst you build their, their the 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 software they needed, um, so that was good. Um, then the next uh, job that I did when I moved to the UK was an affiliate marketing uh, network. Basically, you have brands that want to advertise their products, and you have publishers like vloggers, YouTubers, etc., that want to like some advertising and then you basically connect these these um, people um we had like the system that managed that um, that was interesting as well um, but at that point I was starting to get more increasingly more interested in AI mm-hmm. and um, so I started looking for a job that will kind of allow me to build systems around AI uh, and that's how I Ended up at Third Eye, um, where we met, and um, and then like the story about how I ended up my current job is that uh, Third Eye was acquired by Standard, and that's how I ended up my current role. And both mm-hmm. both companies focus on AI, computer vision, to be specific, um, but for different problems. Um, so I think the difference that said the difference. Um, uh you know, it really depends on what you do and it depends on the size of the company. There are many factors at play. I think for bigger companies, working on a company whose main product is AI or, or who it or who isn't, like it might not make a difference if you're in the front-end development or in the back-end development because there are many different layers of abstraction. So you would just focus on building the systems around the AI. Um so But if obviously that's a big company because you have like more mature, more developed systems, if you're in a small company, you probably have to interact more directly with the outputs from the AI system as a software engineer. So you will have to have a better understanding of how these things work. There is more emphasis, certainly on like data collection and data cleaning. Like data is like a first class citizen of this type of um, uh, companies. Um, so I think probably the main difference would be like the treatment of data that said, I think today, any company at some point, when you grow to a certain level, you will start, you probably want to start assessing the use of AI. Mm-hmm. And most big companies have AI at some point in there, even if, if their main product is not around built around AI, you can use AI to improve or machine learning to improve your, um, whatever is your, the problem you're trying to solve you to improve your solution. So I think what's happening is that um, it's going to become like normalized that the maybe the knowledge you need, needed to know before to work at an AI company will be standardized. And most software engineers will have to understand better how to basically deal data, deal with data pipelines and how to collect data. These things will become a bit more more standardized. And like, you know, front-end engineers will also have to kind of um, understand like maybe like data annotation type of um, applications that are very common, like, and you have to treat like annotators as customers as well, like users, sorry. And you, ask, you will probably need this to, to clean up and, and like get like a ground truth data for your for your AI models. So as you, so yeah, as 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 you grow as a company, I think you you will adopt more AI, and then you have to be more acquaintance with this type of, uh, uh you know, aspects of of the mission. Mm-hmm.
0: I, th- I think that leads really nicely into our Discord question um, of, of the show as well and I think uh, so, so this is still a relatively yep. new uh, concept uh, we have um, on, on this so I'm not entirely used to it either uh, so um, for those who aren't familiar Discord is the uh, place where the Code of Careers community gathers um, to chat all things code and you can meet other people that are um, trying to learn to code or advance through their first few jobs um, in the industry so it's a great place to, uh, to meet other people to your skills, and what we do as well is we um, we also uh, basically vote on a question uh, each time a new guest is announced for the podcast. And um, I've had a great question in about AI ethics um, from Doreen, actually. So I'm just going to play it for you now, Oscar, and then uh, you can uh, um, you can sort of uh, give your perspective on it. I Tried to play it there, but I hit screenshot my phone instead. One sec, <laughs> right? Sure. Here we go. Hey there, my
1: name is Doreen. I'm an early career software engineer and web developer who is retraining after a 10-year career in the UK craft beer industry. My question for Oscar is, in your work, particularly with machine learning, how do you or your company mitigate unconscious biases that might exist, either within yourself or amongst your team? Um, Right, that's a very important question. Yes, so uh, unconscious biases that's definitely something that mm, we as well uh, it is, I think it's um, at this point it's quite evident the impact of tech uh, technology in society and like the impact of tech companies Um, so I think these are things that we start, we need to start to be concerned about um i think historically um yeah you know like i don't want to go too deep into that but obviously there have been many <laughs> cases of discrimination and, and biases that have become the most important thing is that I, that I would like to highlight about this is really that it's become systematized right and it mm-hmm. got to a point where it's self self-fulfilling um, i think i was just thinking about um, I think I saw recently Hidden Figures. I don't know if you've seen that film, but it's an amazing film. About, about... NASA, right? Yes. And yeah. I was I was shocked by how systematized, um sorry, systematic. That's what I keep meaning to say, like systematic and like normalized the even even when you I mean, even people that thought that they were trying to be that they were being helpful, they really weren't being that helpful. And it's just because and they kept saying this is just the way things are. Um, so I think that more recently there has been a movement a positive movement towards uh a i ethics and I think biases is something that happens well you know to give some context is that an example of of bias like in uh in data for instance is that um if you want to like do predictions and then you collect data from like And your data is not representative of your population because it's overrepresented by a certain demographic then obviously the system will work very well with um uh you know the smaller like minorities uh populations or demographics um like there have been very you know controversial cases of like facial recognition systems that don't work really well with non-white people for instance um and that's a lot of kind of discussion about how to mitigate this um, so one way to do this uh, um, I think the fir- in my opinion and that's something that that we strive to do at standard is to have like very diverse teams I think that's the first step because that's how you begin that's how these conversations begin at work like how can we avoid having these these biases and it's really difficult if you have a homogeneous group of people. Um. So mm-hmm. the first thing is to I would like that we I think we do at standard is to hire like to to be inclusive to to hire like from diverse backgrounds and it the fact that we're remote first also helps because you don't have to like this geographic kind of constraint and um, yes uh, so that 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 helps to cast begin that conversation um uh, for that conversation to to begin um. And then from there, um, we have technical solutions. Obviously, make sure that your data is represent the data you collect for your to train your AI, your machine learning models is, is you know representative, is diverse, is not skewed. I mean, um, and this is the thing that I think causes um, it's a bit of a challenge, obviously, because if you've been doing things a certain way for a while, it's hard to kind of steer in this direction for like m- maybe like the way you have to think of other ways to collect data or maybe add some master steps or maybe add like a task force or, you know, allocate mm-hmm. resources to, to do this, to, to, to change things. Um. So I think it's an advantage of like more modern recent companies or companies that have been established more recently is that you can start from from the ground up and like consider these things from the beginning. Um, and I think that's that's obviously something that, Standard being five years old now, I think. Something that Mm -hmm. we have talked from from the beginning and it's something that we've built up we build on. So
0: Yeah. I think there's a general misconception as well where people are like, "Oh, oh how can a computer be bigoted?" You know, but actually, it's like <laughs> wow. um, it's not that the computer's bigoted. It's that the wow. data you feed the computer um, can yeah. accidentally make the computer bigoted. Um, that, that, that's the issue, um, yeah, and I think there's a fundamental yeah. misunderstanding. And people are like, people will cross their arms, being like, "Well, how can a yeah. computer discriminate?" It's like, well, uh, it's not. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, I think it's it's a, it's a very difficult conversation. I think it's a very challenging conversation because um, obviously, I don't think computers are, are at fault. I mean, I might be biased here, no pun intended. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> but, only, as good, uh,
0: it's only as good as the data you feed it, right? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. And like, and like there are biases that we care about for these models. Like, certainly, if you want it to identify things or if you want to do some sort of recognition, it needs to, to, to like discriminate. Like it needs to mm. discriminate things that have this certain feature and things that don't have this certain feature, so there is some there will always be some bias, but then the the bias we talk about here is the cultural one right the things that aren't right mm-hmm. and these are things that we decide as as a society and things that evolve over time the things that maybe twenty thirty years ago that wasn't an issue now it's an issue, so I think it becomes a challenge when um you know, when these things change and you know how culture change, society changes. Um, so I think it, it's quite a difficult thing and computers are definitely not at fault because they, they they have to do guesswork from their perspective to know what things might be like unacceptable now. So I think what's important here is to keep this conversation going. Make sure that you have like a AI ethics expert in your company, if possible, mm-hmm. if you're doing AI or or that, you know, like... That people care about these things. Things how like how this system when it's deployed in the real world, how will it affect? Um, you know, what's the impact it will have? Or even once it's working, like just keep monitoring it, keep 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 seeing like what's what's coming out of it and like what's the impact and try to be you know agile in in the te- in sense of like fine tuning it and adjusting it and 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 you know so it's it, to me it's a matter of like being aware that. That this like that there are biases that we don't want in our systems and have the means to correct them, basically.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me as well of, of another Discord question we got submitted uh, from Shep's, which was: uh, Have you uh, have you not seen the documentary Terminator? And if so, why are you not terrified? <laughs> uh, so it goes to show that AI ethics are very important. <laughs>
1: They are, they are, they are. I mean, that's, that's a deeper conversation, obviously, like, um, the whole thing about artificial general intelligence and machines taking over. And I mean, there are people working on this problem, like, mm. um, it's called the alignment problem. Um, you know, uh, I think I could recommend a book, uh, I think it's called, no, it's called Human Compatible by, um, uh, Russell, I think. Um, I can't remember the first name, but yeah, you can put. Po- um, it's I can definitely recommend to uh, the person that asked the question. Um, to read this book, I think it's, it's it's very very good, and um, and it talks about like you know this this type of problems and ethics and like the focus on building AI that's human compatible, basically not something that will just go on its way, but something that should always kind of um have the interest of humankind present um mm-hmm. so so i think i will recommend this this read uh human compatible by let me see if i can find the name oh stewart russell that's that's it
0: um, nice i'll pop a link to that in the description as well so people can can check that out and um you you mentioned something actually i wanted to call back to a little bit you you mentioned about um the third eye uh Um, you know the reason why you moved on was because it was actually an acquisition and you were hired as part of the acquisition what um what was the experience like um working for a company that got acquired because i think a lot of developers are like you know the 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 pipe dream is oh i'm going to work for a startup and and we're going to get acquired and uh, actually not that many (laughs) people end up going through that so you're one of the few that has what was that experience like
1: um yes um it was interesting um I think it's definitely the sort of, I don't know, maybe not for someone living in the, in the Bay area, but like, you know, maybe one in a lifetime experience for some. Um, so what happened is that, um, you know, at Third Eye we got to a point where, um, you know, you have to decide as a startup. And this is from like a non-tech, non-business view, point of view. I'm like, I am a technical person. and But I think it's, you have to a point where you have to re- like you have to accept that where you'll be able to continue growing, or 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 you should consider maybe you know putting yourself out there in the market um, for acquisition. Mm-hmm. And um, the third, I took that route. There were some talks with different people, and then Standard came in the scene, and those conversations went well, and then we moved. With the process, with the due diligence and that sort of thing, um, but uh, I mean that's that's what happened from the business perspective. From the engineering perspective, uh, for us, we we had to go through through interviews, um, which were fine. Um, I think it was a, a great. The process was handled really well, um, and um, yeah, so I had to go through just like a higher. Have to go through the technical, like the screening interview, the t- coding interview, like the system design interview, but also very importantly and related to the previous point, the culture interview, um, to also you know gauge gauge all of the different aspects um, that are important from a, a standard, um, you know, employee. And um, so that process was quite interesting. I think something I might have um mentioned well no not really um so is that um well in tech or like for software um engineering roles there is this the coding interview aspect of it which in my view is something that i think these coding interviews can be sometimes very distant from what you end up doing at work and um, there are more like algorithms and data structure problems and um, I feel like because you don't do this at work much you kind of you know uh, forget about these these things and like how to do them you know like quickly and like with someone looking over your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I think normally when I apply for jobs I I know that I will be doing that so I start kind of doing refreshing, like refreshers on, on these problems and kind of getting back into the shape of doing them. And obviously in this circumstance, well, not obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining the whole context. So in this circumstance, because it all happened kind of quickly, I I didn't have much prep time, but so yeah, I, I knew that I would be interviewed for a technical interview in like 48 hours. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Um, but it was fine. It was very relevant, very grounded interview. Like the the, the the problems were were quite quite interesting. So it wasn't necessarily just you know like something taken out of a leak code. Um, yeah, a lot no of people problem.
0: freak out over leak code, but I've actually never really mm. come across it interviewing for UK jobs to be honest. Maybe because yeah, I mainly do front end, but yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think it's interesting because I think um, it's again one of those things where I think there are many aspects that a play there um i think it's more common for big companies to do this sort of interview because you can be more picky and then like it serves as a filter (laughs) when you have like you know a thousand applicants a day like and you just want the best of the best and for them that means someone that's like very good at this type of problems then that's fine uh, I think it's it's in the UK, I agree with me, experience hasn't been necessarily that, but I have interviewed for companies here that haven't been like that big even, and the problems have been like that type of leap code problem. So mm. I think it's important to prepare and like, especially if you're going for like big, the biggest tech companies, that's, that's the reality
0: there. I think. Yeah. The bigger the company, uh, more likely it is, they'll go leak code. Yeah. And for anyone unfamiliar, LeetCode is a is a platform where you can practice data structures and algorithm problems. Um, I think most of them are free, right? I I there is yeah. a pro membership, but I think you can get the bulk of the content for free. So I I don't know if I'd bother getting a pro unless they want to sponsor me. In which case, yeah, definitely get the pro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: no, I I do li- I do like LeetCode, and I I I find personally I find these problems interesting and and fun even, but. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I agree that they might be representative of the job you'll be doing. Um, but, but yeah, I would recommend people to, yeah, just, 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 you know, get a, get a, get a sense of how solving these problems you go about solving these problems and, and, you know, how you start with like a very kind of slow solution and then you start optimizing it and, you know, time complexity how to discuss tag complexity for different algorithms and how when to use different data structures and so on. I think that's, that's, that's good stuff to know. Um, you know,
0: I, I was going to say, if any of this sounds really intimidating, um, there's a great book. Uh, oh, it's called like, um, have you come across it at all? It's called like grokking algorithms illustrated. It's all like oh, yeah. shown by like little mice yes. and it like explains <laughs> uh the the algorithms through that and I found that really helpful. And in fact, actually, if he's listening, shout out to Yusuf from Third Eye because he bought me that as a leaving gift. Um actually oh. and I did find it very useful. Um so it's uh yeah that's a really good one especially if you're like me and you don't come from a computer science background. Um and I I actually um because of how silly the UK education system is I stopped doing maths when I was 16. So actually like I, you know I I really uh, it was some, co- I'm, I'm not bad at maths, but the, the concepts were quite difficult for me to understand. Um, so that, that sort of way of laying it out was, was really helpful for me. Yeah,
1: I, I do have the book. Um, I think I got it just for, because I do like that grokin series. I think it's very good. Um, so I just been like getting the books from that series and that was, that one is, is really nice. I mean, it's the sort of book I wish I had a few years back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I was in in uni, but, um, because you know you have to go through these very terse textbooks and kind of figure it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would recommend that book. Um, yeah, I don't algorithms and data structures. I, yeah, I, I think it's the sort of thing that it might be intimidating at first, but once you get it, you get it. So,
0: yeah. Um,
1: yeah, just go for it. Um,
0: Absolutely. That that uh, leads on quite nice. No- oh, sorry, go on, mate
1: no no sorry just to wrap up the whole thing so we went through these um interviews and then yeah i mean i think they were quite quite relevant and then i ended up in my current role but other than that as i as i said it's like um you will still have to interview you will still uh most likely i mean um but yeah it's 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 an interesting process and Especially when you're not expecting to change jobs. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad. I can imagine, man. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad that how it turned out. And I'm quite pleased with, yeah, that working at Standard and doing what we do. Yes.
0: Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. And I I, I was going to say, we almost, uh, for my next question, we've almost already skipped a step uh, with it because we started talking about data structures and algorithms. I think a lot of people, that listens to this i think my, my audience is mainly people with zero to five years experience and um the people with more like zero years experience who are learning to code right now are thinking oh you know uh, they're worried about structures and algorithms and what what advice would you give someone who just straight up just wants to learn to code um both from a technical standpoint and a professional standpoint um
1: hmm. In terms of, I mean, I guess I could advise in terms of practical advice and in terms of more kind of personal, Um, in terms of practical, I think the book you recommended is is very good uh, for starters, but I think it's also important to get your hands dirty, Mm -hmm. install whatever language you, you have, get it running as soon as you can and implement these algorithms, try to implement them from like, you know, I mean, try to just transcribe it from a book first and then just try to implement it on your own, modify them, see what changes, um, you know, have a notebook, just write the concepts down. You have to memorize some stuff, that's fine. Um, and then once you feel comfortable with this, um, I mean, you could either start, I think some people like to start with like a coding project right away. I, I would, I think you, probably need a bit of kind of prep work for that, like just start yeah. with like these very simple programs and to understand like the, the building blocks of, um, programming, and then you can work on a, I would recommend like a simple project, like a, like a game, mm-hmm. uh, like maybe like a, you know, tic-tac-toe or, or nuts and crosses as they call it here. Um, um Whatever I, I mean, it's important, obviously, to, to know what you want to learn, right? Because programming is a very broad thing. You can learn to program websites. You can learn to program, um, you know, microcontrollers.
0: Mm. Um, it's a very good point because yeah, a lot of so, people just see learnings code as just a ubiquitous... Is that the right mm-hmm. word? Might be the wrong word. They, they just see learnings code as like just a thing. And it's like, yeah, it's not. It's like saying, yeah, um, I'm, I'm gonna go to university to learn a language. And it's like, well, that could be Japanese, German, uh, well, Chinese, Afrikaans, like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah, I think, I think at some point, I think when you start learning programming, algorithms, data structures, these are quite ubiquitous, as you say, you will use them everywhere. Mm. But once you get to a point where you want to do something useful, <laughs> I mean, not this, you know, like useful for other people. <laughs> Um <laughs> that's just a,
0: don't discourage them.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no yeah. Useful like like something more practical. That's what I meant. Um, you need to know what you want to do. If you want to do websites, you need to learn, you know, how a website works, like what HTML, CSS, JavaScript, you need to be familiar with the DOM, the um, how things Dynamic, work dynamic and change dynamically in the browser and mm. how you know how you um, consume an API
0: and that sort of thing and, um, it, and it's hard bigger. to understand but it gets you way ahead, doesn't it especially like the DOM and the box model like I wish I'd yes. got that much earlier than I did yeah. like it yeah. would have supercharged my learning really yeah um,
1: also for backend you pro- you want to know understand like HTTP how to build a REST API. Um, these are concepts that are like, or like how to connect to a database as well. These mm. are things that, I mean, are specific to this type of problems, but or this type of focus of, of programming, but you won't get much far, like very far if you don't understand these things. So, but you have to be cle- like clever with your time investment. So if you want to do backend, just go and learn backend related concepts. If you want to do front-end, go learn front-end. Mobile or, you know, low-level programming, just go learn Rust, don't learn C. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I think uh, it's important. That's from the the technical aspect, and it will take time. Okay, moving from the more personal aspect, it will take time, you know, don't get frustrated. Or get frustrated but move on. <laughs> um, so these things take time I think certainly it didn't click at first with me um, even when I was in uni um, you have to go through it and practice and a lot of practice and I think I mean this might be more of a, my opinion but I know that a lot of people go into development for the money because it's good money I cannot say I relate to that necessarily because I I didn't know at the time I started my this path that it's a path that's kind of, that pays well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it because I found it interesting. And that to me has made it much. I cannot imagine doing it just because of the money. So I think Absolutely. I can appreciate, I can respect that. If you just following the money like that, I can respect that. But I think it's important to develop a sense of like, passion and interest for the craft, because that will make you better. I, I think it's, I think it's just, you know, just, just, I think it's just like finding it interesting and, and you know, taking, you know, uh, finding it fun and, 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 and not treating it as just a job <laughs> necessarily, you know, but as something that you, you want to get better at part of your identity, even like, you know, it's just, you know, that, that sort of thing, um, I think it's important, um, at least from, from my perspective, um, and that means that also that spend some time learning the basics. I can I always recommend that, even even though obviously on like, understanding how operating systems works, file systems, Linux, um, you know, virtualization, this type of concepts, um. You can ignore them and get and get stuff done, but knowing these concepts will give you way more context and will make you better overall. So spend some time learning about these things that might not seem to directly impact your work, but give you like a broader knowledge and then you and uh, that 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 really helps to to be better at whatever you're doing like understanding I think I would say understanding the tools you're using. So mm-hmm. if you use a framework, go through the code, it's only, it's all on GitHub anyway. You can just go through the code and read it and understand how functions work. Don't just, I think um, don't just settle from like knowing that this function does that. Like just just be curious and think like, but how does it work? Just go through the code and see the implementation. Go through the documentation. And learn proactively as well. Don't don't learn something when you know you'll need it. Try and you know learn things before you think you'll need them. I think that's really helped me in the past to to you know move forward with with in my career.
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent philosophy, and I think as well I really agree with what you said about the money. I think um, something I've been trying to emphasize recently when, when in the discussions on the Discord and stuff is that. Um, I don't get me wrong. I absolutely love seeing people get paid and 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 get yeah. a great salary in tech. But um, the the less you think about money and the more you think about um, about how good of an engineer you can be uh, and and the value add you can bring, um, then you'll conversely get more money. If you spend your time focusing on the money, you probably won't get as much money. If you spend more time focusing on on self improvement, you you will get the money. And um, that being said, absolutely, like make sure that you. You know, learn all the tips for salary negotiation and, and and don't just stay in the same job if you're being underpaid, but um, definitely focus on improving your skills first and foremost, because that's the number one way to get paid.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, make sure that your compensation is is, is right and um, spend some time, especially when you know that your reviews are coming to kind of make your point about how you <laughs> think you should get a promotion or you should get a pay rise. That's absolutely fine. That's part of the that's part of the job. That's part of the perks, um. Mm. But you know, that shouldn't. I I wouldn't think that should be the main thing. It's just like a like a nice aspect about you know being uh being a developer, software developer. So you know, it's it's, it's all about balance.
0: Yeah, absolutely, cool. Um. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh. Um. I think that, that that's covered a lot there so um, thank you so much for coming on and uh, ma- taking the time to speak with me because obviously you're very busy at the moment because you are still currently balancing um, and working <laughs> on these uh, uh, on, on your on your masters and your full-time job so um, my enduring respect goes out to you and I, I really oh, appreciate you, you taking the time to speak with me
1: thank you no I'm glad I'm glad uh, we've done this I, I truly enjoyed it and yeah it's like talking about who, who doesn't like talking about
0: themselves <laughs> No, I'm why, why do you think i, I started a podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes well, well thanks thanks again for having me
0: well th- thanks coming on oscar your insight as always is uh is really valuable and um your story is really awesome so if people want to reach out to you because they're interested in what you've said on the show today what what's the best way for them to get in touch
1: um i would say linkedin and um yeah just just and if you're interested about applying for its standard, I also provided come with the, with the link for the careers. Um, we we're as I said we're a remote first company, so um, don't don't be afraid if you're not in the in the US, just just go for it
0: cool very nice and that that link will be in the description and uh yeah of course uh, as you mentioned linkedin best to get in touch with me as well um yep. and uh yeah it's if you're not on linkedin and you're trying to get a job in tech get on linkedin if not why not uh so uh it is the number one way yeah. to um to, to get yourself into the industry so uh do make sure you're yeah. on there but um yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I, I can i cannot stress enough like i gotta look i mean i've got so much from linkedin it's just yeah, just 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 create an account. It will take you like an hour to kind of fill it up with your CV and stuff. Just the return yeah. of investment is is massive. So it's it's networking. just a complete
0: ha- uh, yeah, it's a complete hack to getting good opportunities. And um, I've been saying this for weeks, but I will create a walkthrough video on how to create a good LinkedIn profile for people that are curious and haven't used it before. Um, but uh, so stay stay tuned for uh, for for that one, listeners. So. Again, actually speaking of listeners, um, I appreciate you always tuning in, and uh, that th- thank you um, for, uh, for for all of that. And if you do have any. Um ideas and questions and please do join the discord and uh, I'll, i always announce upcoming guests on the discord so um you can uh, you can do uh, like, like doreen and and um i'll ask a question um to the uh, to the guest as well so it's a great way to do a bit of interaction and be part of the code career so um do check that out the invite to join the discord is in the description but thanks so much for uh, for tuning in for another episode of the code career have a uh, have a great week and happy coding